somehow we need to come to terms with the fact that most of our problems are first world problems and we need to rediscover what it really means to go all in with God. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. Are you struggling in your faith walk? You want to believe God, but there's fear, maybe doubt, questions, or confusion? Are you tired of half-hearted Christianity? If you're ready for a radically different life, stay close. Every time I try to play it safe Holding back just a little part of me Welcome back to Life, Love, and Family. Hi, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton. It's been said, the gospel costs us nothing, but it demands everything. It's also been said that if Jesus is not Lord of all in your life, he may not be Lord at all. Today, we're gonna be talking about how to get all in. Our special guest, Mark Batterson. He's the lead pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. It's recognized as one of America's 25 most innovative churches. His blog and webcast also reach a virtual congregation around the world. Mark's the author of several best-selling books, including the New York Times bestseller, The Circle Maker, and In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. He holds a doctorate degree from Regent University. He lives on Capitol Hill with his wife, Laura, and their three children. Mark, I want to welcome you back to Life, Love, and Family. Hey, Tim, it's so good to be back. <laughs> Mark, as we get started, modern day state of Christianity. Do you feel like we're moving in a direction with some energy? Are we stuck, Mark? Where are we? Well, I'm in one little corner of the kingdom here, Tim, in Washington, D.C., and we're seeing God move here in ways that I dreamed about, you know, 17 years ago when we started out with 19 people. And so while I believe that there are some challenges that we're facing, uh, I believe the kingdom of God prevails and it's advancing. We just need to keep up with what God's doing. But of course, the, the book All In comes out of some of the concern I have as well. And I think it's a mixed picture, but I'm encouraged by what I see the Lord doing here. Mark, I, I think most would agree that we need Him more, not less. A lot of people are desperate for Him. Maybe it's the pace, the pressure, the pain of modern day life, but uh, I think we're all there. Let's talk, though, Mark, about this yearning to somehow get God into the center of who we are and to step up to the plate. I think there is some yearning out there. You open up the book talking about it's time to pack your coffin. Can you tell us that story? Around the turn of the last century, uh, the 20th century, there was a practice amongst missionaries that instead of packing suitcases, they would pack a coffin with all of their earthly belongings because they knew that they would die on the mission field. In fact, they wouldn't buy a round-trip ticket. They would buy a, a single ticket 
And, you know, I share that story because I, I think somehow we need to come to terms with the fact that most of our problems are first world problems and we need to rediscover uh, what it really means to go all in with God. It's easy for us to get very comfortable with some of the freedoms that we enjoy. And what I'm trying to do with this book is push back a little bit. The first century disciples, radical and normal, were synonyms. I'm afraid we've turned them into antonyms, and we need to get back to that place where we realize that the gospel does cost nothing, but it demands everything. And either Jesus is Lord of all or isn't Lord at all, and and there is no middle ground. And so I, I try to come at that in a way with this book that hopefully challenges readers in a way to go to the next level spiritually. Mark, you make a statement that was pretty convicting to me. You said most people think they're following Jesus but really it's an invitation for Jesus to follow them. Tim, that's the heart of the book. I think that most people in most churches do think that they're following Jesus, but I think many of those people have simply extended an invitation and invited Jesus to follow them. And I get that because I was one of them for many years. You know, I didn't want to go anyplace without Jesus right there behind me, but it was more about God serving my purposes than me serving His purposes. And so I think the true adventure begins when we experience what I call kind of a Copernican revolution, if you will, where we come to terms with the fact that it's not about us at all. It's about God and His glory. And of course, I call this the inverted gospel when we get this mixed up. And my prayer is that Many, many people who read this book would experience the true adventure, the true joy of this 180 where it's no longer about Jesus following me. It's about me saying whatever, whenever, wherever, and uh, making that decision to go all in with God. You talk in the book about what Christianity is not, Mark. Page 17, you talk about it's not going to church once a week. It's not daily devotions. It's not fasting during Lent. It's not keeping the Ten Commandments. And you have this whole list. Some people might be offended by that, Mark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd be the first person to say there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Those are good things. But in that part of the book, I, I get to the heart of what consecration is. And it's not those things. It's not behavior modification. It is a heart that's been completely set apart for the Lord Jesus. It's about me saying to God, it's all from you and for you. Now, now that word consecration means set apart, and I think it means dethroning your own desires and enthroning the Lord Jesus. And it's the key moment, I think. You know, I, I might describe it this way, Tim, that Jesus stands at the door and knocks, But he doesn't want to just come in the front door, like many of us just let him in the front door, but then he starts knocking on the closet doors and uh, and the back (laughs) doors, and and he wants to, to be the Lord of every part of our life, every part of our heart, and I think consecration, that's what it means. It means 
I completely surrender to his lordship. I'm not seeking him second or third or tenth. It means I'm seeking him first. And Tim, we, we've known each other for a bit, and I know you've read a couple of books. And this is a book where I just felt like I'm not going to pull any punches. Uh, I'm going to come out of the corner swinging. And hopefully people realize it's tough love, but ultimately the end goal is to make sure that we're consecrated to him. Because I, I promise listeners this, that when we stand before the judgment seat of God, our only regrets are going to be what we did not give back to God. So we might as well give it up right here, right now, so that we can experience that reward that God wants to give us on the other side. You know, they say, Mark, that if you scream at a kid... <laughs> What happens is it, the, the child's brain gets like scrambled eggs. They can't really receive it. You hear what I'm saying? Yep. And in a sense, what you're doing is here, you're, you're scrambling everything for a moment because I think most Christians have kind of a tidy view of what it means to have a relationship with God. We know it's not religion. It's a relationship. We get that peace. And then what we do, we feel like the Lord loves righteousness. So if we do do certain things and we punch the card, if you will, hey, today I did these things, God. Mark, you got to help me here for a second, I think, and help the listeners because they believe in God, okay? And then there's some talk about the difference between believing in and believing. But help us here because I want to believe that if I live for the Lord and I do certain things that, and I pray earnestly and I'm serious about these things and I'm living in such a way that I'm trying to be righteous before him, that God will say, you know what? You're a good son or you're a good daughter. And what good thing would he withhold from those who love him, right? Yeah. Because I'm caught in this consecration piece, Mark, because I know I need to dedicate myself, but I'm battling here. And it's hard for me to get all in if I'm warring with my belief system here about God. Is your heart really toward me or not? Well, let's go right back to the Garden of Eden. And what we see there is the serpent planting a seed of doubt in Eve's mind, that God might be holding out on them because of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and I think that we fall into the same trap. We feel like we need to hold out on God because, oh, we might miss out on what else the Garden of Eden has to offer. But the reality is this, that if we hold out on God, we're going to miss out. And if we don't hold out on God, then God is not going to hold out on us. I love this promise from the Psalms that no good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. And so if we don't hold out on God, he is going to give us his full blessing. I like thinking of that as uh, no withholding taxes, that he is not going to hold anything back if we really go all in with him. So that's where that challenge then, Mark, of being consecrated to the Lord it gets really difficult because I want to get all in, but I'm terrified that if I get all in, I don't know what the outcome really is and if God's heart is really toward me because if he was toward me, it would be easier for me to get all in. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Well, we want God to go first in a sense because then it doesn't require any faith. So I just am a big believer that God probably isn't going to reveal the second step until you take the first step. You know, the word for that is faith. And so 
I think that's why I love this metaphor of all in. There are moments where, metaphorically speaking, you've got to push all your chips to the middle of the table. And I love that old proverb, no one's ever bet too much on a winning horse. Uh, I, I think in the same sense, we want to hedge our bets, so to speak. And that's what Judas did. Judas is, uh, I'm at the table with Jesus, but I'm going to take a little change out of the money bag on the side just to kind of pad my pocket in case this thing doesn't work out. And we look at Judas and think, how in the world could you do that? But how many of us? are holding out or pickpocketing the Lord, we got to make sure that uh, we put our full faith uh, in the Lord Jesus. A new breed, a new generation of people who are wholly committed to the Lord. And Mark, I I think there are people resonating with the message. I certainly am. I know that maybe it's easier when you cross over 50. uh, The math isn't too hard anymore. You're looking around and you recognize how dependent you are and how needy you are. I think the older you get, the more you pray, Mark, the more you spend time in the Word because you start thinking about your purpose, your value, and what really matters. The church for a moment, Mark, help me. Would you say that Christianity has kind of watered things down in terms of a wholesale, let's get into the gospel message piece? We've Americanized, I guess, maybe the church. Some use that term. I think you might have referenced it. We're so careful. Maybe the politics, maybe different things start just softening us or making us a little ginger. Do you believe that? Yeah. You know, Peter Marshall, the former chaplain of the Senate half a century ago, said that we're too Christian to enjoy sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. And I think there are a lot of people that are in that no man's land. It's a fearful thing to go all the way and to bank everything, including your eternity, on God. But I don't see any other option, Tim. There just doesn't seem to be a middle way, if you will. I just don't see it in Scripture. Uh, You know, I think of the story of the rich young ruler, and I think sometimes we feel bad for the rich young ruler because Jesus said, sell all of your possessions, give them to the poor, and follow me. If I was there, I would have been tempted to say, well, Jesus, shouldn't we start with asking for a tithe? Can't we just get 10%? But Jesus knew, no, that his identity and security was in his wealth, in his power, and that would be the very thing that would keep him from experiencing the fullness of a relationship with God. And so he goes after the juggler. And I think what I've found in our church, which is majority single 20-somethings, is they don't want half the gospel They don't want the watered-down, dumbed-down version. Listen, give me something that is worth living for and dying for. And we see that example in the disciples themselves. You know, 11 out of 12 martyred for their faith. So evidently, the will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a dangerous plan. It might get you killed, but it will be something that you celebrate for eternity And so we need to stop living for the here and now and make sure that we're living for that moment that we stand before God and His judgment. Mark, what's all in mean? Yeah, you know what, Tim? Look at my calendar and look at my checkbook. That will tell much of the story. How am I spending my time and my money? My wife and I, this is the 10th book uh, that we've published. And part of the reason why I love to write is uh, I love to give 
And this 10th book, we said, you know what? Let's give it back to God. Let's do what the book is talking about. Let's not take any personal royalties from it. Let's let God bless it in a way that we can then be a blessing to the kingdom at large. And so I think it comes down to very practical decisions like that. How are we spending our time, talent, and treasure? Those things don't lie. And so I think uh, it's a book that will hopefully help people look in the mirror, identify where they're at, and see that truly the greatest joy in life is sacrificing everything you have, everything you are for Jesus Christ. And then you'll discover this little trick that God plays on on us that you will never give more than you get back. And so if you get back more than you gave up, have you really sacrificed anything at all? You know, as Jim Elliott, who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That means believing him. That means coming to him with great faith. Well, I've never seen such great faith, Jesus said, about the woman who reached out to touch him. Mark, your byline on your book, All In, is you're only one decision away from a totally different life. You also penned these words, destiny is not a mystery, it's a decision. What's it mean? (laughs) What's it mean? I love it. I love it. We need to take a little bit of the guesswork out of this thing. I do believe that the sovereignty of God works in a way that I don't get where the free will of man and the sovereignty of God meet, and scholars have been debating that for for millennia, so I won't be the one to resolve it. But I do believe that it's about defining decisions and daily decisions. And this is probably my favorite subtitle of any book I've written, because to me, it's so hopeful. I, I really do believe that people are one decision away from a totally different life. And, you know, that came out of a sermon series we did a couple of years by the same title, All In. And we had people make so many defining decisions that I felt like this is a book that I need to write. Now, the truth is that one decision that will change everything might be the toughest decision you ever make, but if you have the courage to make it, it can change everything. And and maybe just one more word of encouragement to listeners, Tim. You don't need to make 99 changes. If you do, you're probably going to have a 1% chance of success. But if, if you try to make one change, you make one decision, you, you make one sacrifice, you take one risk, well, that one decision, I think, can make a 99% difference in your life. And uh, my prayer is people read this book is that they realize it's not a book to be read. It's a decision to be made. And at some point on some page, the Holy Spirit's going to go to work and quicken something. And I believe readers, as a result, they're going to leaf over some page of this book and make a life-changing decision that I believe is going to be a change for eternity. Well, you get prescriptive in the bookmark, too. And um, I wrote down one word here as I'm progressing my way through. And I wrote down the word charge. You tell the Chamberlain story out of Gettysburg. Can you just highlight why you went there? I love history. And so I'll let readers um, enjoy that story by reading the entire thing. It's a little bit too long to uh, account probably right now. But it's this idea that 20 seconds of insane courage 
sometimes that's all it takes to change the course of history, and that's exactly what happens on a battlefield at Gettysburg. And uh, someone who many readers will not have heard of before really changed the course of history in this country because in his own words he said, I had the inability to do nothing. And uh, he shouted, charge, and it changed the, the course of the Civil War and the course of history. And so what I do is I, I challenge uh, readers, wh- where do you need to yell, charge? You can't just play defense. I, I think the kingdom of God is offensive in nature. It's not just about sins of commission, don't do this, don't do that. It's about sins of omission, what you would have, could have, and should have done. And so let's play offense with our marriages, uh, in our churches, in the callings that God has for each one of us. Let's yell charge and go for it. Our special guest again today is pastor and author, New York Times bestselling author, Mark Batterson. Uh, his new book, All In, You're Only One Decision Away from a Totally Different Life. Is that what you're meaning, Mark, by the all in and all out for the all in all, the all out thing? When I think of all out, I think of uh, football. I think of baseball. It's just putting in everything <laughs> yeah. you got right in the moment. I saw this quote. You talked about the movie, We Bought a Zoo. I think it featured Matt Damon. And there was a statement there that said, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Yeah. And that's what you see when you read the Bible, isn't it? I mean, it's incredible how many moments come down to that 20 seconds of insane courage. And in that chapter, I talk about Jonathan climbing the cliff and engaging the Philistines. And what is one of my favorite uh, little verses uh, tucked away in First Samuel fourteen six, where it says, perhaps the Lord will act in my behalf. Well, I think the reason why many of us don't make the kind of difference that Jonathan did is because we have the opposite paradigm. Perhaps the Lord won't act on our behalf, and because of that fear or anxiety, we just play it safe, but I think playing it safe is risky, and nothing ever happens when you just sit and don't make a move for the kingdom. And so I think we need that mentality that perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. One of our core values at NCC is go set ready. Now, I know that sounds backwards. <laughs> I love but it. But I, I don't think you're ever going to be ready. If you wait till you're ready, you will never do anything. You will not get married. I got a dose of that in me, Mark. Yeah, you bet. You, you won't have kids. You, I certainly wouldn't have planted a church, um, and you probably wouldn't have started a radio program. (laughs) You're never going to be ready. Sometimes you need to step out in faith and see what God has. Is that what you mean by holy crazy? I do, and I think the word holy is this idea of consecration, but it's not enough to just kind of sit back and wait for things to happen. In fact, I have what I call the crazy test, Tim, that uh, if I'm trying to discern whether or not God's in an opportunity, honestly, one of the things I look at is, does it pass the crazy test? Because in my experience, (laughs) if it's not crazy, it's probably my idea. But uh, sometimes God will give you that holy prompting, and then you need to use the discernment that God's given to you. A, A good example would be Peter getting out of the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. My take on that is this. If you're going to get out of that boat, you better make sure that Jesus said, come, 
but if Jesus says, come, you better not stay in that boat. So it's about hearing that voice of God who has a tendency to call us out of those comfortable situations and into that holy crazy. But that's where the miracles happen. That's where the breakthroughs happen. That's where the defining moments in our lives happen. And I like to call them those all-in moments. And wow, they pay dividends throughout eternity. Mark, someone's listening. They know it's time. They've been battling back and forth. They feel the nudge of the Spirit of God in their life. They want to get all in. They want to give it flat all because he is all that matters anymore. Can you close this out? Just give us a word of encouragement. Here's the first thing that comes to mind, Tim. I think back to hiking Half Dome a couple of years ago, and I remember in the early morning dawn looking up at the summit and thinking to myself, how in the world are we going to get to the top of Half Dome in one day? And uh, you know what? The answer was so simple, one step at a time. I mean, that's how you get anywhere. And so don't worry about the second step or the last step. What is the first step that God is calling you to take? And if you take that one small step, listen, God has a way of turning it into a giant leap forward. And so I hope listeners are encouraged. It is about one step, one decision, one risk. And if you do that one thing, listen, it can make all the difference in the world. Well, I got myself a t-shirt that says what I believe. I got letters on my bracelet to serve as my ID. I got the necklace and the keychain. chapter 8. What shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or rulers or things present, things to come, powers, height, death, nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
If you want some encouragement, could use some guidance on your personal walk with Christ, you want to strengthen your marriage, build a stronger family, reach out to us. Our toll-free number, 855-455-3264. Or visit us at lifeloveandfamily.net. Again, that's lifeloveandfamily.net. Thanks for listening. Life, Love, and Family. America's number one Christian residential treatment program, Honey Lake Clinic. Specializing in addiction, depression, anxiety, bipolar, PTSD. Staffed by nationally recognized psychiatrists and psychologists. A team of MDs and 24-hour nursing care. A 600-acre scenic sanctuary of unmatched beauty. Honey Lake Clinic. Most insurance accepted, scholarships available. Phone 844-747-7772. Online, honeylake.clinic.